Stand firm in the Lord. Today we rejoice that our citizenship is in heaven. May the grace, mercy, and peace of God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ uplift us in the cross, which is our passport for our journey of faith and service in his name. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, as a Christian, how comfortable are you in this world? As you think about that, the reason I ask that question is that there is always a danger that, especially as Christians, we grow too comfortable in this world and life. That we be too satisfied with the status quo. That we will forget, as St. Paul says, that our citizenship is in heaven. Now, it's not that the things of this world and life are bad. They're not. God created everything good, and everything from his hand is good. And God wants us to enjoy what he has made for us and what he's given to us. Family, friends, our work and possessions, our homes and lives. It's good to receive these gifts from the Lord with thanksgiving and to be good stewards of them but not to cling too tightly to them, but always to remember that who we are, what we have, and what we are given to do is all a gift from our Heavenly Father. You see, when we forget that, that's when it leads to sin. Sin is that which forgets the giver and clings to the gifts instead. And clinging to the gifts, sin then looks to the gifts, looks to the things of this world and life for refuge and strength, for meaning and purpose, and for all that we need. And looking to the gifts, sin then forgets where our true refuge and help is and becomes self-reliant. And self-reliant, sin then becomes self-seeking. And self-centered. So that when the call to repentance comes, when the call to repentance comes, it's either rejected or something that we find very, very difficult to do. That was the problem in Jeremiah's day. They were clinging to Jerusalem. They were clinging to the land, to the temple, to the world and its gifts, rather than to the one who gave them these things. And so when Jeremiah prophesied to them that unless they repent and return to the giver, this house shall be like Shiloh and this city shall be desolate without inhabitant, they couldn't stand it. They were too comfortable. That was also the problem in Paul's day, who, as Paul said, made their God their belly and set their minds on earthly things. And so Paul's words and preaching fell on deaf ears. They were too comfortable, too comfortable with the way things were. That was also the problem with Herod and the Pharisees in Jesus' day. They were so comfortable in their religion, so comfortable in their religious life and the way that things were, that when God himself 
came in flesh and blood, casting out demons and performing miracles and, and called them to repentance, they wouldn't listen, but rather sought to take his life. And that brings us, yes, to today, to you and me. Are you too comfortable in this world and life? Are you clinging too tightly to the gifts instead of the giver? Are you unwilling to let them go? Have you forgotten where your true citizenship is? That by, vir by virtue of your baptism, you are citizens of heaven. You know, it really is amazing, isn't it? How quickly we forget. How comfortable we can become. And so quickly. Let's look at, at where we become comfortable. We become comfortable right in the midst of a culture that embraces death and sees it as a solution. A culture that sees alternative lifestyles as not only okay, but something to be promoted. That seeks to remove Jesus from all public discourse. That glorifies in shameful things while shaming those who speak of glorious things. And also, are we too comfortable with ourselves? Now, oftentimes, we like to point out the sin in others, but ignore the sin in ourselves. Not wanting to repent and turn away from the sins that we like and have grown to be very comfortable with. Or, there's the equally dangerous and opposite error of being so wrapped up in our sin and shame that we become perversely proud of being worse than others, and so not wanting to repent and turn to the God. Well, what is Jesus' response to all this? We heard Jesus say in our gospel text today, How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not? You know, at this point, we couldn't blame Jesus if he just gave up. If he just gave up on them and also on us. If he had just thrown his hands up and said, Behold, your house is forsaken. And I tell you, you will not see me again. That's it. But he didn't say that, did he? Instead, he said, And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that day would come as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. When he rode into Jerusalem to become one of those prophets who would be killed there. When he rode into Jerusalem, throwing his hands up, not giving up on them or us, but throwing them up on the cross to save them. Spreading them out on the cross so that we might take refuge under them as under his wings. Because that's why Jesus came. Not to condemn, but to save. And so he hangs there on the cross willingly. He hangs there lovingly. He hangs there calling us back. Not just to die, but to live. Because again, that's why he died. He died that we may live. That after laying down his life, he may, he may take it up again 
to crush the power of sin, death, and the grave, and to give us the victory that he won. The victory and life that comes with the forgiveness of our sin. To work in our hearts all that is needed, that we may find our life in him. For in him only is life. True life. Life that transcends the things of this world. Life in good times and in bad times. In times of plenty or in times of need. Whether you're young or old. Now that's the life that enabled Jeremiah to say to those who rejected, to, who rejected him, do with me as you seem right and good. Because he knew full well that they could kill him. But he also knew they could not take his life. It's also the life that enabled Paul to rejoice, even as he sat languishing in prison. Because they could lock him up. But he knew they could not take his life. And brothers and sisters in Christ, that's the very same life that's given to you and me. As we come to the altar again this day, taking refuge under the arms of our loving Savior, taking refuge in his body and blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sin, taking refuge in his love, which is always, always here for you. And safe under the wings of our Savior, we see the things of this world and life for what they are, gifts. They are what is given. They can't give us what we want or what we need. And so faith clings not to these gifts, but rather our faith clings to our Savior. Our faith clings to Christ. So that when life gets tough, as it is for so many of you, with one burden after another, whether it's in the midst of cancer, or facing loneliness, the death of loved ones, one burden after another, we know that we have a refuge, a life, and a hope in Christ. That when the things of this world and life are taken away from us, when family and friends die, when the economy tanks, when the bubbles of our pride and self-sufficiency are popped, that we know that we have a refuge, a life, and a hope in Christ. That when we are burdened by our sin, when we come to the realization that we have become too comfortable in this world, and when fear and forgetfulness get the better of us, that we know that we have a refuge, a life, and a hope in Christ alone. Because he's still calling to us. Still sending his prophets apostles, pastors, to call us to repentance, to point us to his wings, to give us his forgiveness and life, life that cannot be taken away. This season of Lent, we come and fix our eyes on Jesus, on Jesus on the cross, and Jesus in our neighbor. That in faith toward him and love Toward one another, we live as citizens of heaven. Not clinging to the what, but the whom. Clinging not to the gifts, but to the giver.
not demanding, but love. Not begrudging, but forgiving. Not boasting, but praying. That we not be comfortable and satisfied with the status quo, but standing firm in the Lord under the refuge of his wings, we repent. We turn to Christ. And we take up our cross and cling to him now until one day when we will rest in the comfort of our heavenly home. You know, we are blessed to have access to all kinds of cultural foods. You can have Mexican food, Chinese food, Italian, Japanese, Greek, Thai, German, Korean, Brazilian. The list goes on and on. Each culture has its own unique food. And eating that food is a way to celebrate the culture. And in a very similar way, that's what we do here at Grace on Sunday mornings. Since our true homeland is heaven, our church family celebrates our heavenly cultural identity by eating heavenly food. We do this whenever we receive communion together. Eating this heavenly food helps us remember who we are, but also whose we are. It helps us remember that we are sinners forgiven by the very body and blood of Jesus Christ, who is broken and shed for us for the forgiveness of all of our sins. This heavenly food not only reminds us of who we are, but it also reminds us of who our Savior is and what he alone has done for us. <coughs> for this reason, this food not only reminds us of our cultural identity, but it also creates it. For as often as we eat and drink of the body and blood of the Lord, our minds are set on heavenly things. Our thoughts are directed to the sacrifice of Christ, and our faith in him is renewed, our sin is forgiven. Eating the food of our heavenly homeland, we celebrate the fact that we will one day live with God and for all eternity share in the feast that never ends. And so brothers and sisters in Christ, be comfortable only under the wings of your Savior as you stand firm in Him alone as citizens of heaven forever. <clears throat> Amen.